Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Kent. And welcome once again. It's EW10's chaplain, Father Joseph Mary Wolf, along with me, Doug Keck, together again for another episode of Mother Angelica Answering the Call, the weekly program that features our foundress at her spiritual best in responding to the calls of concern from viewers to her classic live shows back in the 1980s and 1990s. Always a pleasure to be with you, Father. And with you too, Doug. And a good question I think that we open up this program with is how does God choose visionaries? You know, are they just special, special people? Um, what is it? I think Mother has some good insights in this. Absolutely. You're a bit of a visionary yourself. You're looking <laughs> ahead there. Other topics on the show will be Did Mary Need a Savior? Obedience to the Law of God and Without Faith, We Can Do Nothing. So let's get back to that idea mm-hmm. of visionaries. Uh, how does one become a visionary? Do one, does one apply for that? <laughs> No, it's something that is chosen from heaven, and usually the visionary is not wanting <laughs> what uh, they're being asked to do necessarily. Um, so, for example, you know, St. Bernadette, we know of her in the apparitions at Lourdes. And when we did a series of five programs there, Father John Paul and I, and I was talking with one of the priests who worked there, and he was talking about when the Vatican finally approved those apparitions. And one of the criteria they had was the life of Bernadette, Mm -hmm. that it was really beyond reproach. She wasn't someone who was trying to deceive. And just, of course, she's now Saint Bernadette. And so that was one of the things that pointed to her authenticity and the authenticity of the apparitions there. Right. And I think as Mother talks about in in this particular uh, program, uh, the idea of the simple, mm-hmm. the, the faithfulness uh, of right. these young people, why why it happens to these young children, because they have that that childlike faith. And I always think of Father Groeschel's wonderful book, A Still Small Voice, which talks about the idea of understanding and recognizing true mm-hmm. visionaries. Yeah, that he really had a, a time when it was very confusing because there was visionaries on the right and on the left and people saying they're having different apparitions and so on. So that was really a book that helped to clarify those sorts of things. But Mother is really right on here that if you see a certain humility and simplicity, as she says, not stupid, mm-hmm. <laughs> but there are people such a strong conviction of faith and they were willing even to undergo you know, threats or imprisonment as the Fatima children and Bernadette were. It's always, as, as Mother says, the le- uh, choosing the least to confound the strongest, always the, the counter-indicated, the opposite mm-hmm. of what the world <laughs> would think or would expect is the way God always moves, right? We like to think that of EWTN, right? Absolutely. He, he chooses this nun who doesn't know anything about TV, and here we are, That's reaching from, the whole world. From the buckle of the Bible belt, <laughs> what is God's criteria for choosing visionaries? We have a call. Hello? Yes, Mother Angelica. Yeah, where are you yes. from? I'm from Chicago. Wow, great. How you doing this evening? I'm great. Well, okay, I, my, my I got a little is, jet I'm, lag, but I'm okay. Okay, my question is, I was yeah. wondering, uh, how does God pick people um, with faith? I mean, as far as visionaries, I mean, when people, when Christ or the Virgin Mary appears to people, how does he choose them? I mean, what, in your opinion, how do you think he goes about that? I don't know if you trust the visionaries that are accepted by the church, Bernadette, 
had very bad asthma. She was ignorant, uh, spoke patois instead of good French. Uh, you get the little children of, of La Salette, the children of Fatima, huh? the shepherds. They all had something in common, and that was faithfulness. They were very simple, and, and they believed. And, and there, was a, there was that simple faith in God. And although they were uneducated, they couldn't explain. Bernadette was one of, I think, the most beautiful because she knew nothing. When her sister asked her at school what, uh, what, to explain the Trinity, she couldn't, and, and she was pushed back. Her Holy, first Holy Communion was pushed back. She was wise, but she didn't have anything that we would think necessary to have a vision. Simple, ready to obey. Oh, now I think we have a little, a little thing here we're looking at, huh? You find that all real visionaries, I don't think all visionaries are real today, but all real ones are simple, not stupid now. There's a difference, simple. They had great faith. They believed in what they saw, and they accomplished what was asked of them, no matter what the pain. I think those are the qualities God is looking for. I don't think he just went around and said, you're it, and you're it, and you're it. I think those qualities of faith, and all the children, especially the children of Fatima, they were threatened with oil and boiling oil and going to, to, to uh, jail and, and Bernadette too. They were undaunted, faithful. Faithful to Our Lady, faithful to what she told them. So I, I think our Lord chooses the least to confound the strong. But I think there is an element, the same th reason Jesus chose 12 ignorant laymen. Well, Judas wasn't ignorant. He was educated. But those men, according to Acts, were ignorant. What did they have, though, that was so necessary to see God? A burning faith that nothing and no one could change or swerve one way or another. And today, we're all like a bunch of reeds shaken in the wind. Somebody called today and said the priest put uh, sun in, uh, sand in the holy water fountain. So when you go in, you can put your hands through and feel the power of the earth. Are you nuts or what? <laughs> power of the earth. The earth didn't create you. God created you. And you above all, who put the sand in that fountain, need holy water. And a lot of it. Somebody ought to pour a gallon of it on you. But they are unfaithful to God. <coughs> if I went to church and I saw sand in the holy water fountain, I would take it handful by handful. I'd sprinkle it everywhere and make him sweep and sweep and sweep <laughs> until he got it out. Now that's nasty, isn't it? Not as nasty as depriving the people of holy water and leading them to a heretical, 
earth spirituality. <clears throat> they lack faithfulness and they lack that simplicity. If you want to read about why the Lord chose the apostles, look at 21st chapter of St. John's Gospel. They were out. They had been out all night. They were cold, wet, and hungry. And the stranger on the shore says, Friends, have you caught anything? And what did Peter say? No. I wouldn't have said no. I would have thought, I didn't go fishing. I went out to meditate. <laughs> but he was a simple man. See, he said no. And the Lord said, Throw your net on starboard side, wrong side of the boat. And what did he do? Peter did it. But what I have done? I say, hey, who are you? I'm a fisherman, you know? I've been fishing all my life. I know where to throw a net. That's not the place. I would have been smart, Alex, see? But does Peter smart, Alex? No, he threw the net. So what he did? He was humble hmm? and obedient. When that net's filled with 153 fish, John, John recognizes the Lord. Oh, you know what the Lord said to all of them? They, they pulled in that fish. He said, bring in the fish you have caught. Oh, who caught what? You know, he, he told them when, where, and he put the fish in the net. So there was humility obedience and faithfulness. That's why these children were called. It's very difficult to discern a true revelation today. But as long as they don't say anything against sacraments and faith, that's your criteria, that's your rule of thumb. I think Our Lady is appearing in many places. I think that's why statues cry and she knows what sin is and disobedience, see, and we're unfaithful. Moving ahead on the program, our next topic for Mother was, did Mary need a Savior? What say you, Father? She did because she talked about it in the Magnificat, as this, program, this segment brings out. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And I always like that simple example, but I think it's a good one, maybe not perfect of how we could fall into a pit and we need someone to pull us out. And so we need a Savior to save us and pull us out of that pit. But another way of being saved is not actually being falling into that pit, but being saved from falling into that pit. And this is what we think of Our Lady, that God foresaw the merits of His Son and His work of redemption, and she was saved preveniently in, in view of His redemption. Another thing I, I think Mother tackles in this is the idea of marrying, having other children, and in that she has strong words for the people who believe that. <laughs> yes, and interesting, we had an article in the Register recently about how John Calvin, you know, the Protestant reformer, who believed in the perpetual virginity of Mary, and he defended it. And uh, so it was a lengthy article quoting him on many times of how he defended this truth about Mary not having other children. Right, and as uh, Mother points out, of course, uh, Our Lady is the person to go to, but she needed Our Lord as well. Let's see. Did Mary need a Savior? We have another call. Hello? Hi. 
I had a question for you. I Good. know um, I was discussing with a friend of mine. We were talking about the need for a, a Savior, and um, he was talking about Mary. He did not believe that Mary was, in, was born in a sinless state because in the Magnificat in Luke, uh, she says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Right. And um, I'm wondering if you might be able to address that as far as her need for a Savior if she was born in a sinless state where only sinners are in need of a Savior, as you did no. mention at the beginning of your program. No. Our Lady was also saved, but not from sin. She was immaculately conceived, and she never committed a sin. But all the prerogatives she had, see, were in view of this redemption Jesus gave us on the cross. And for example, her very immaculate conception was paid for by Jesus on the cross. See, every, uh, every prerogative of Our Lady, her sinlessness, her awesome holiness, and the angel is the one who says, Hail, full of grace. What does that mean? Hail, Mary, full of God. If she had original sin, she would not be full of God. The angel would have lied. But he didn't say that. He said, Hail, full of grace. So we know from Scripture that she was immaculately conceived. Even that was paid for by Jesus on the cross. Every attribute she has. Everything. Virgin and mother. She never, never. All these people think she had other children. Now, why you say that? It's the dumbest thing I ever heard. <laughs> why are you jealous of the generosity of God who put aside for his mother one who never had the shadow, even the shadow of the enemy on her soul? There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And we are back for part two of Mother Angelica Answering the Call. Doug Keck along with Father Joseph Mary Wolf, our chaplain here at EWTN. Our topic, obedience to the law of God. Hmm. Now, Mother was into obedience, wasn't she? She was to God, yes, first of all, right? Good stipulation there. And <laughs> <laughs> what does God want me to do? And even if those may be opposed to this, this is what God wants, and this is what we want to do. And it's a very delicate topic, but very relevant to one today, right? With all the heated discussions now after the overturning of Roe versus Wade, mm -hmm. how do we talk to the other side, so to speak? With love, not condemnation, but always being faithful to the truth. And I couldn't help but think of, you know, Nellie Gray. Right. That her birthday was actually June 24th, 1924. And for 40 years, she led that March for Life, and we covered it. Right. 
And like Mother says here, that truth will always bring light with it. And that's what we believe. That's why we televise this March for Life every year, because it brings light with it. It does bring a change of hearts. Absolutely. And I think of how many times Mother had Nellie Gray on her show with her Mm -hmm. to promote the march coming up every year as well, even in the years before our ability to cover it live. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that she was called the Joan of Arc for the pro-life movement, that she just went forward and she said, one day it's going to be overturned. Believe me, one day it's going to be overturned. Well, we thought we might not see it in our lifetime, right? But thanks be to God, it's taken place. And the reason we could say uh, that this may be happened is because of our obedience to the law of mm-hmm. God. Let's see what Mother has to say. We have a call. Hello? Hello, Mother Angelica. Where are you from? I'm from Ohio. Could you speak a little louder? I'm from Ohio, and my oh, name oh, is... Oh, you're one of our, our, our Ohioans here. Yeah. And how can I help you? I want to ask a question that's been bothering me. Um, as a Catholic, what is the appropriate way to discuss or speak about abortions to believers and unbelievers who accept abortions? Well, I think, number one, you do it with love and not condemnation. Number two, you must be faithful to the truth. Say, truth will always bring light with it. And you have to tell them that this is a life at conception. You can read that in St. Luke's Gospel. Jesus was like unto us in all things except sin. And in St. Luke's Gospel, right after the Annunciation, and Our Lady said, Be it done to me at, at, at thy word, that, at that moment was the conception of Jesus. The incarnate word lived among us. And what did she do? She ran to Elizabeth. For what reason? So that Jesus in her may sanctify John in Elizabeth. You see? When you say, no, I will not serve. This is my body. No, it's a whole different person in you. It's in your body, but it's not your body. Mm -mm. You have to tell them that. You see, they won't believe you, but that's okay. They won't believe you when you say it. See, when we do things like that, we are disobedient to the laws of God. It's not the Holy Father's law or will. It's the law of God that he must proclaim. And you and I as Catholics and Christians must proclaim the law of God, not the law of this theologian or this liberal nun or anything. They, they are not God. People in Germany thought Hitler was the, the leader, and he turned out not to be the leader. It happened in Russia. It happens everywhere where man tries to raise himself above God. You can't. And what the bad thing is they drag other people with them, you know. Nobody goes to heaven alone, and nobody goes to hell alone. We have terrible, awesome responsibilities. 
So I would tell them that that's when life begins. These scientists who want to experiment on a four-week uh, fetus, what, why would they want to experiment on something dead? Or something that wasn't human? They wouldn't do that, would they? So I, I would do it. Now they may ridicule you, but the Lord promised that. <laughs> He said, blessed are you when men persecute you for my name's sake. In St. Luke's gospel, he adds a little thing I thought was kind of cute. He said, dance for joy. Try it. <laughs> Maybe you could do a little short dance when they begin to get smart alley. And say, woo-woo. And they say, what's wrong with you? He said, I'm dancing for joy. See, don't, don't allow anything, any human being, to dissuade you from the obedience to the law of God. And closing out uh, this program, we have a tough topic. Without mm -hmm. faith, we can do nothing. Mother, here's a really tough story. Here. Yeah, and again, chronic illnesses are really difficult to persevere. And to have diabetes for 30 years, as this poor woman had, and yet Mother brings it around, right? That she says in her prayer to help, help her to see that it's filled with many, many graces and many, many gifts from God that we don't see that often. That's very hard to see when we're suffering, that there's some grace here, there's some gift here, there's something here that's drawing me closer to God and letting me, letting me depend on him more. And I think uh, in some ways when Mother was relating this, she's talking about our own experience, isn't mm -hmm. she? Sure, because she went through it. And that's why she could communicate it so well, because she knew the emotional struggle within of just wanting to give up, perhaps, of wanting to throw in the towel. I remember her writing that, you know, in her, her book, Answers Not Promises. Right. I know what it is to want to throw in the towel. <laughs> but you persevere in faith, and actually your faith gets stronger through that. Right, exactly. Working out your faith makes you stronger in your faith. And as Catholics, we understand the idea of redemptive suffering. Let's see what Mother has to say. Without faith, we can do nothing. So we have another call. Hello? Hello? Where are you from? Uh, my name is Barbara, and I'm from Massachusetts. And what is your need? Uh, I have a sister. She's going to be 46 this Thursday, and she's had diabetes for 30 years. Mm. And now she's beginning to, the sight is beginning to go. She only sees shadows, yeah. and the doctor said it might get worse, it might get better, it might stay the same. So I'd like prayers for my sister, because I think it's going to be kind of hard to accept it if it gets worse. What she is your very little now. What is your name? Her name is Diane. Diane. Lord Jesus, we just ask you to touch Diane. And don't let her eyes get any worse. Increase her faith and hope and love. And make her know, Lord, that diabetes is a, a long, drawn-out illness, but it is filled with many, many graces and many gifts from God. And that in thy kingdom, Lord, they will have great glory because they have had to depend on thee so much. Have mercy, Lord, upon her weakness 
keep her faith. For no matter what we have, good, bad, or indifferent, without faith, Lord, we're nothing. And we can do nothing. Amen. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.